Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello. Hey, Sam. How are you? Good, good. I'm excited to be back in the regular format outside the uncomfortable world of insect what were we thinking? film analysis. This is now a normal episode of uh, Film Chat with our regular structure. And that structure begins with an unstructured ramble. <laughs> so, Danny, what have you uh, been thinking about lately? What's been on your mind? Well, I recently rewatched the film The Brothers Bloom, which is a Ryan Johnson film. The movie made after Brick, which I don't think ever got a UK release, but it's a conman movie with Mark Ruffalo and Adrian Brody as two brothers. The Brothers Bloom of the title. And... I remember enjoying it second time round. Enjoyed it less, I gotta say. Not a grower. Um, but the thing that kind of struck me as very odd to problematic is that Rinko Kikuchi, who's probably best known as playing, is it Mako Mori in Pacific Rim? And she was in Babel. This Asian superstar who occasionally pops up in English language speaking movies. English language speaking movies? Yeah. Um, plays a character called Bang Bang, who's a demolition expert. Does all the bombs. She's called Bang Bang. Makes, she's Asian. Makes sense. Already a bit. Uh, yeah. And then she doesn't have any lines. Like her whole character thing is that she doesn't speak. And I was like, this is a bit of, uh, I think. Bit, yeah. Yellow fever, I feel a little bit. And then it occurred to me that in Looper, his next movie, Bruce Willis has uh, a silent, a silent Chinese Asian wife. wife. Yeah. And then cut forward to The Last Jedi, he introduced the first asian character into star wars which wasn't a someone talking about trade disputes yeah <laughs> an actual asian <laughs> there, there wasn't like a weird racist chinese uh, alien and i think the character of rose taiko is really good and she wasn't sexualized but it made me think is this going back to my theory which i posited in the angel battle leader movie is that anytime a dude makes a seemingly progressive female character it's just horny yeah it comes it comes from He's from horniness. Horny He's a horny, horny man. Yeah. I mean, I think there is definitely something something to this theory. A, v- a very clear example would be someone like Quentin Tarantino, whose films are sometimes lauded for racial progressiveness in terms of having a lot of like strong, you know, black characters in them. Um, and also, you know, uh, put, put women front and center of, of some of his movies. But it does feel like it comes from like, I don't know exactly what the word is. Is this a little fetishistic, I would say? Yeah. You know, and there's the odd thing of like, on the one hand, the character of the bride in Kill Bill is, um, that's a very meaty role. She gets to do loads of cool stuff and fighting. She has great lines, you know, and all that stuff. But at the same time, she's also kind of acting out a quasi-sexual fantasy for Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. And uh, the other one I think that you raised when we were talking about this before is like Joss Whedon. Yeah. He's like another guy who's 
you know sometimes cited as like uh, you know feminist for things like buffy the vampire slayer and you know having a lot of like kick-ass witty chicks that's right a girl can play football <laughs> yeah but it's like it's he's just writing the kind of you know woman he would like to sleep with so it does somewhat lessen so you know the the sort of progressiveness of uh, giving people these roles and stuff when it's always like you know coming from a white guy who uh, is obviously on some level getting off on it but if we didn't have these horny white guys what would we have we'd have no progress we'd have no progress their basic claim to be progressive is that like the regressive guys are horny for like women's like asses and breasts you know yeah but the the progressive guys are horny for their like quips and <laughs> sass you know moxie <laughs> they're moxie <laughs> horny for the moxie <laughs> yeah exactly but and that's much more you know that's a much more sort of human character you know human characteristic shows personality yeah they're they're in they're, they're they want to they're getting hot off women's brains. And that's, that's what's more progressive than that. That's the most regressive thing you can do. You're right. The most erogenous uh, zone of the body is the brain <laughs> for these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, very sensitive brains. Yeah, but it was like, I mean, it does make you sort of realize what a barren uh, desert we live in in terms of um, uh, representation in cinema because it's so dominated by white men both historically and right now and uh what a sort of different world you know we yeah, could of, of uh stories we could be inhabiting if like the people behind the camera were like genuinely diverse um the man can dream yeah <laughs> sorry i was just imagining such a beautiful meritocratic future that i've actually forgotten why i'm here and what this is let me explain to you don't worry about it this is a podcast all about myself, Sam Foster, and Martin Crane, who are the chief executives of the Worldwide Insurance Company. Now, they enlist the aid of someone called the Masked Marvel to find Danny Moran, a former Japanese envoy whom they suspect of being responsible for extensive sabotage of war industries. But Crane is secretly in league with Danny, and they arrange for Sam's murder. The murdered man's daughter, Alice, joins the Masked Marvel and his three aides in a campaign to expose and apprehend Danny. The Masked Marvel is one of four men, Bob Barton, Frank Jeffers, Terry Morton, and Jim Arnold. He hides his identity beneath a black mask, and only Alice knows he is one of the four investigators. It's what I would be saying if this was an adaptation of the 1943 12-chapter film serial The Masked Marvel created by republic pictures instead it's just a podcast in which we talk about and review films i'm sam foster and joining me a uh, white guy playing a japanese spy in something which is an extremely racist <laughs> uh portrayal danny moran hello on this episode of film chats i will be reviewing ace new documentary being frank the chris seavey story which tells the story of chris seavey and what it was like for him to be frank misleading title in my opinion meanwhile Sam, you'll be reviewing the latest offering from Marvel. Captain Marvel? I mean, what's next? Lieutenant Disney? Corporal working title? Sergeant Warner Brothers? Major Lionsgate? General Sony? Brigadier? Castle Rock Entertainment? <laughs> Stupid nonsense. Nonsense thing to do. Plus, we discuss the latest movie project from the satirical host turned depressed old man John Stewart... And news that everyone's favorite superhero, Shang-Chi, is making onto the big screen. Shang-Chi, Shang, I don't know who that is. All of which 
should leave me just enough time to tell you about my latest film idea. It's called Revoke Article 50. A shameless attempt to cash in all this Brexit chaos, but actually has nothing to do with it. It's actually a sci-fi movie set on a different planet where art has been revoked and everyone spends their time tickling 50 Cent. That's right. Revoke art, tickle 50. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Coming to a cinema near you in the near future. Nice. See that? I can't be making no lazy Brexit jokes. Go the avant-garde route. Very, very good branding. It's going to be a hit. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John Woo films, films that star Peter Fitch, films by David Lynch, films short, films six hours long, we've got films up to your Catching up on the mailbag, this is from a t- uh, Twitter user Mike at Celestial underscore Sock. That's S-O-C, like Celestial Society, rather than like a sock that you might wear that's also Celestial. He says, greeting. <laughs> uh, who would film chat cast in the film People's Vote the Movie? I'm thinking Robert Webb as Chris Leslie. I don't know why. Pat Stew, possibly as Adonis. Adonis could do a novelty appearance as Peace Jew. Help me out here, I'm struggling. Who would play a good Gapesy or Soobs? I think referring to the characters of Mike Gapes and Anna Subri of the Independent Group. And that tweet has the same reply suggesting Johnny Vegas for Mike Gapes and uh, Joanna Lumley for Anna Subri, which is pretty good. I think I think uh, Joe Lums for Soobs makes a lot of sense. I think uh, the one I would most like to see is just basically the most angry people's vote twitter celebs playing themselves the, yeah themselves or like <laughs> get chris addison get eddie marzan get francis barber all these fucking nutters they would love it just because the enjoyment they would have out of playing this out would be enough i think to make it worthwhile that's true actually francis barber would uh, would really chew up those roles yeah just like it'd be like it's like a make-a-wish foundation you know for all these actors that's true yeah yeah francis barber maybe as uh you know, Heidi Allen or or something, I don't know. There's some uh, crossover here with uh, something else happened on my Twitter, my personal Twitter, other than the work account, where I tweeted a clip of John Burko, who gave quite a Sorkin-esque speech in the House of Commons about uh, the power of uh, Parliament. And uh, like I said, it would be the climactic scene of Aaron Sorkin's Brexit film, which is probably going to be similar to the People's Vote, the movie. Perhaps it would have that title. None of it is a traitor. All of you are doing your best. This should not be, and I'm sure will not prove, to be a matter of any controversy whatsoever. From the chair, let me say that I believe passionately in the institution of Parliament, in the rights of members of this House, and in their commitment to their duty. And I use the word duty in the singular advisedly. The sole duty 
of every member of Parliament is to do what he or she thinks is right. And uh, Twitter user Friends of Pudding replied to suggest Tom Hollander as John Burko and uh, Emily Watson as Sally Burko. I don't know if Sally Burko is going to play a key role, but, you know, but why not? Um, that's also pretty good casting, I think. Yeah, but what's Tom? I mean, what are they like? Do they want the people's vote? Are they hardcore Remainers? Uh, I have no idea. I have, I don't know his political views. You know, it probably he's probably a Remainer. Fits the profile. He seems the type, doesn't he? Just he just seems the type. Yeah, he absolutely seems the type. Are you going to go on the big people's vote march? No, I'm going to remain at home. <laughs> <laughs> Got to, you should tweet that, mate. See, incredi- incredi- an incredible own. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I don't want to stay in it, but I just don't see the point in it. Like, I don't understand how what would happen. We have another vote. What if we win by like a little margin? Do we have another vote after that? Yeah, man. If, if someone, none of it will ever end. There's never going to be a conclusion. If there was a clear, like, you know, this leads to this, then I could see the value in it. But just a sort of generally, also, I just find the people who are most vocal about it have ruined it for me. Yeah, that's oh, I that's don't very want to be. I don't me, want to be yeah. marching with Chris Addison. In fact, <laughs> I would happily welcome a hard Brexit if it just makes him upset. But at this point, even if it fucks up <laughs> my, my entire future and everyone I know and generations to come. As long as he's upset, that's my main priority at this point. That would be satisfying. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the only joy I can get out of the situation at the moment. Fair enough. Well, I hope those answers satisfy the questions that were posed. Yeah. Yes. On to the news. Absolutely. Superhero films announced. Casting rumours leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tips. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's been to print. So I don't know if we discussed this before, but Jon Stewart, former Daily Show host, turned man with a beard who occasionally turns up on a Stephen Colbert show to shame a senator for not agreeing to some act to help 9-11 yeah. first responders. That seems to be his main calling in life these days. But he also made a film, Rosewater, a few years back, uh, which was based on this guy who got imprisoned as a result of being on The Daily Show. Don't know if that was, he just did it out of guilt. <laughs> made Quite possibly, film. yeah. Um, but he's going to direct another film, which is called Irresistible. What we know about this is that Stewart has written the film and it sees Steve Carell play a slick democratic strategist who sees a retired veteran as the perfect person to challenge the sitting mayor in a small right-wing Wisconsin town. But as he grooms his ideal candidate, he'll come up against his ruthless Republican counterpart, played by Rose Byrne, who has every intention of keeping the current mayor in place. And he's just added Chris Cooper to play this veteran character. And producing the film, you'll be excited to hear. Focus features and Universal. Oh, good. Great. Wow. And uh, Peter Kujowski, uh, the Focus chairman, says... Oh, I like hearing from him. Uh, in the age of fake news, Jon Stewart continues to be the real deal. He's been making us laugh at the bipartisan commitment to bending the truth for years. And we couldn't be more excited to partner with him and Plan B... or oh, Plan B's involved as well, sorry. Plan oh, B. Plan B's involved. As Jon brings his signature wit to the big screen with the incredible versatile talents of Steve, Rose and Chris... So, we've discussed many a time about how it's a bit of a dearth of good satire. Mm. But I really like Jon Stewart. And I think since he's left and basically every single show has become The Daily Show because every single late night person just talks about Trump. Yeah, yeah. It really highlights how good he was and how different he was 
And I think what separates him from those other guys is that his focus, and which is why he became increasingly like suicidal looking as it went on, was always about how broken the system was. Yeah. And like he always saw the bigger picture, whereas I think it's a lot of low-hanging fruit. Is uh, I think that's absolutely true. I think he was... He was definitely the best in a field which was really, really terrible. Yeah. I mean, I think he's not, like, super qualitatively different from a lot of those guys. Yeah. He has a similar kind of pose of, like, uh, the, the, the comedian is, like, the sane guy in a mad world, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, which is very politically limited. But, yeah, I mean, he, I think he's much smarter than, uh, than most, you know, of the late-night uh, hosts who get on their high horses. And this sounds... Well, it's it's hard to say exactly what its angle is going to be, and maybe it will really you know push some kind of like populism or, or something like that. But it, it sounds like quite a sort of straightforward political yeah. comedy rather than something with a really a sharp satirical edge taking aim at contemporary politics. It's a microcosm, isn't it? This Wisconsin town is like the entire political system. Yeah, but do you feel like this premise would have worked yeah, yeah, made absolutely. in the 80s? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, you know, I mean, Focus Chairman Peter Kuchowski's statement there referring to the bipartisan commitment to bending the truth sounds like he's going to make fun of both sides. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're probably all going to be a bunch of uh, amoral ghouls who, you know, trying to uh, manipulate this uh, old guy and, you know, one way or the other. Poor Chris Cooper. Poor Chris Cooper. Poor, poor Chris Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it could be fun. I mean, I guess, like, whenever something that sounds like it's trying to be super relevant, my initial reaction is, like, this is going to fucking suck. <laughs> uh, so if something sounds like it might not be that, super relevant like maybe this will be fun yeah and uh, he's obviously steve carroll was uh one of the daily show correspondents for many years so he's got form working with john stewart and i, and I love rose burn and everything i feel like she's kind of been saddled as like the mark Wahlberg wife character a lot <coughs> she's always playing some less funny person's much funnier wife yeah and, and has like the less good lines but just is much more memorable so hopefully she's something a bit more chewy to work with like well she was very funny in spy Grey and Spy, she's really funny and the other way is quite bad. Get him to the Greek. She's got a very oh, memorable cameo in it. That's a movie no one's discussed. I don't think this has come out. Remember that movie? Get we should get into it. Can we do uh, uh, the next episode of our deep analytical stuff just made that about Get him to the Greek? Yeah, yeah. I think it said a lot about the geopolitical situation. Well, it's really about the uh, Eurozone crisis Yeah. and uh, what happened in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> it's about Greece. <laughs> Things about Syriza and stuff. Yeah. Aldous Snow was just Varifakis, wasn't he, really, when you think about it? I think he was Yadis Varifakis. <laughs> Can you really get down to it? Yeah. Wasn't P. Diddy, like, uh, Wolfgang Schäuble, the German finance minister? I'm pretty sure there's a bit where he's, like, he literally turns to the camera and says that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting film. Interesting film. Um, so this John Stewart project reminded me that um, Chris Morris's new s- satirical film recently yeah. premiered at South by Southwest. So there's a bit of uh, reaction to that coming out. And he's uh, someone who's, I think, like probably one of the wisest decisions you can possibly make as a uh, professional political satirist is to shut the fuck up over yeah, the last yeah. few years. So he's really come out well, <laughs> not being on Twitter, not going on TV to give his analysis, not saying anything whatsoever. It makes him seem like one million times smarter than most of his uh, contemporaries. And um, his uh, new movie, The Day Shall Come, which we have talked about before, but I don't know if we... I think that well, we didn't we, know that much, that much about it. I think we just reacted when there was like just one picture of Anna Kendrick and it's like, Chris Morris has made a film. And I was like, what the fuck? Chris Morris? I yeah. love that guy. 
I can give you the premise. Do you want to hear yeah, the premise? Sure, please do. An impoverished preacher in Miami is offered cash to save his family from eviction. He has no idea his sponsor works for the FBI, who plans to turn him into a criminal by fueling his madcap revolutionary dreams. So, as long as the impoverished preacher in Miami is not a Corbin uh, character <laughs> with his madcap revolutionary dreams, um, uh, it sounds like it could be good. Um, you know, just, I mean, you were saying that, like, John Stewart, like, one of the things that was appealing about him is that he was, like, obviously sick at the, the broken system and looked like a man yeah. who was, like, completely at the end of his tether. And now he's, like, full you know uh sort of raving uh hermit preacher or something yeah exactly he's gone for peter finch uh and chris morris uh even more so has the characteristic of a man who's like you know there's no faith in in the world whatsoever yeah um so uh so yeah i have good i have good hopes for it and the reviews the early um notices are quite positive good buzz good buzz hey everyone I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. sounds good but i was wondering if there was some sort of marvel film with an asian character we could talk about sam maybe like some sort of kung fu some sort of kung fu like, like a kung fu movie like a kung fu master film yeah there is actually yeah um so <laughs> Mar- <laughs> marvel's <laughs> marvel oh dear marvel is wrapping up its current arc you know, Avengers yeah. Endgame will draw that all to a close and then it will immediately kick off again with like two months later. I really hope that it turns out each of these stones were actually like part of like one big stone, which itself was part of another 12 stones. Yeah, for more things to hunt. <laughs> yeah, more stones. More stones, yeah. Um, so in the next phase, when the different, they'll be d- dealing with new different kinds of stones, they're kind of lining up uh, their movies and uh, we don't know that much about many of them except there will probably be some sequels like there's probably going to be a Doctor Strange sequel we know there's going to be another Guardians of the Galaxy film there'll probably be another Black Panther film but they've got to keep launching you know new properties yeah, as well really. and uh, one that has been announced is this film called Shang-Chi um, which is going to be directed by um, the director of uh, Short Term 12 called Destin Daniel Cretton it's obviously another attempt for Marvel to diversify their film offering. And this they've got a Chinese-American behind the camera and obviously it'd be a Chinese-American as the main character. But they, as with, I guess, some of their other properties, have been saddled with a character whose backstory does, does not suggest <laughs> like the most progressive approach to uh, yeah. uh, dealing with other uh, cultures. So according to this Empire Online article, the character first arrived in Marvel in 1973 in the wake of the success of Enter the Dragon. And it was created by Steve Englehart and Jim Stalin. He's the son of Fu Manchu, who raised and educated his son in his reclusive compound, cool. closed off to the outside world. The lad trained in the martial arts and developed unsurpassed skills. Brilliant. He is eventually introduced to the wider world to do his father's bidding, and then has to come to grips with the fact that his revered father might not be the humanitarian he has claimed to be, and is closer to what others call him, the devil's doctor. Wow. Fu Manchu quite a sort of racist character always played by white guys in yellow face yeah in a bunch of old movies I, <laughs> for the... I was reading the wikipedia synopsis and i think marvel basically just bought out the rights to the fu manchu character oh really 
I don't know why. I don't know whether, you know, oh, he's related to Fu Manchu. Got to read this. <laughs> yeah. And it's obviously a couple of white guys are like, oh, I'm a kung fu superhero. Um, so, yeah, I think what's kind of interesting about it is that whereas something like Black Panther is obviously written by quite uh, civil rights supporting white guys in the 60s who created basically a kind of perfect man. I remember listening to um, the Still Processing podcast with Tanahisi Coates, who wrote the most recent run of Black Panther, saying how the problem with the character is that it's almost written by someone who's so keen to stress how not racist they are the characters devoid of any flaws yeah 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 but it's also it's a cool vision of a decolonized super you know advanced black society whereas this is just like the most doesn't, <laughs> western view of yeah asia it doesn't contain that seed yeah. of, uh, of promise they will have to work much harder so i think to, yeah so it's you know it's, i think it would take a lot more uh, I don't know, much more of a, a take on it. You know, you need someone to come in and maybe change it all. But also, it made me start thinking just, like, the lack of Asian characters in Hollywood. I think, and, like, yeah, there's there's less of an awareness about what sorts of discrimination Asian people face. Yeah. So the angle that you would take on a kind of progressive Asian-fronted film is not especially obvious. Mm. So it would be interesting from that perspective. Because it's like... There are obvious sexist tropes in movies that, you know, they want to shatter. And, yeah. uh, the, the, you know, similarly with racist stuff in Black Panther. But if there's any trope associated with Asian characters in movies, it's that they all know how to do Kung Fu. So that's, it's unavoidably embracing that one by yeah, making yeah. that their character. So they'll have to do, you know, something with it. Something. <laughs> but, one would hope. So, yeah, so, but it'd be interesting. It'll be interesting to see exactly, exactly what, what they will manage. One thing that I do like about the idea is that one of Marvel's problems is that they tend to not have very spectacular action sequences and the action is over-reliant on uh, uh, laser shows and CGI. Whereas if it's like quite a grounded martial arts film, that could be quite cool. If they yeah, do yeah. like really good, high premium level yeah. f- uh, martial arts, <laughs> um, you know, that could be good. I can't name any Asian American directors really, apart from Justin Lin. Mm. top of my head yeah me neither it's weird because i could like all the black directors i could name are african-american or british i couldn't name a single i'm sure there is a film industry in africa i couldn't name a single uh like african director and similarly i could name like a bunch of asian like chinese film directors and korean and japanese but justin lin (laughs) this this guy (laughs) yeah 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 and same, like, similar of actors, like, I can't name, apart from just Constance Wu, because I watched Crazy Rich Asians last year. Yeah, you're right. There's a death. <laughs> there's a definite, there's a definite lack. But it's just, like, it's weird, like, you know, there's no, um, there's not even, like, Asian stereotypes apart from, like, a sort of guy who runs, like, a wise old man or something. I mean, there's no, like, Asian best friend. There's, in the same way, there's, like, you always see, like, black police officers or black judges. You don't see Chinese doctors maybe occasionally yeah like, like there's not even like bad representation there's not no representation whatsoever so i don't know there's just there's just like no sort of cinematic cultural history to upheave in a way yeah yeah that's true yeah so be, i don't know if that makes it is a benefit or not so like it's harder to find an angle but at the same time they don't have to like i mean i would say all that taken into account it it's it, it is occupying the space of like a kung fu film so yeah you know if there's any cliche that you could go for, they have adopted it. Yeah. But they should just put another movie on their slate with an Asian uh, lead and he's doing something 
totally different. Like okay. he's a like he's a racing car driver. Are there any Asian actors at all in the Marvel universe? Uh, yes, Already? there's Wong <laughs> in Doctor Strange. Wong, yes. <laughs> and uh, there's some aliens who are played by Asian actors. Gemma Chan is in Captain Marvel. There's the one from the Guardians of the Galaxy person. Who, yes, like... there's that woman. Another yeah. alien, Mantis. I can't remember yeah. the name of that actress. Um, there's that woman who's uh, the crazy, stupid, fine journalist from Ant-Man. That's true. <laughs> yeah, with that tiny role yeah. in Ant-Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not, there you go. not loads. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's great representation. For shame. Shame. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ask punchingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. So, being frank, the Chris CV story is a documentary directed by Steve Sullivan. I never know if directing is the right term if you've done a documentary. Directed, compiled, edited, dreamweavered. I don't know. He's made it. And uh, so the story as the title suggests, about Chris Seavey, who was a talented but unlucky musician who, with his group, the Freshies, never quite achieved the acclaim they deserved. And out of no other motivation other than his own amusement, Seavey created a papier-mâché mask and uh, created the character of the Freshies' number one superfan, Frank Sidebottom. And soon, Frank became the band's warm-up act and then basically took over as the band disbanded. And the documentary kind of just depicts the strange, uneven career of CV and his relationship to his kind of enduring cult creation and interviews the friends and family and his key collaborators. Here is a clip of Frank Sidebottom performing his own take on the Beatles classic, Twist and Shout. Shake it baby. Shake it baby. Let's twist and shout. Twist and shout. Come on, come on now, baby. film to review because the subject matter is fascinating and it's been put together in a very kind of fun and inventive way which kind of encapsulates the spirit of the man and Chris Seavey was a voracious chronicler of his own stuff and so Steve Sullivan apparently had boxes and boxes of VHS tapes and cassettes and drawings he produced for his lifetime which he has very impressively curated into a very digestible and sort of accessible movie it's a very kind of slickly put together piece of work and I don't think the phrase 
containing never-before-seen footage ever been more accurate because uh, this stuff has literally just been sitting on a box somewhere. Which means it's the rare documentary of a creative person in that it's enjoyable for complete newbies to Frank Sidebottom as well as diehard fans because you wouldn't have never seen this before. It's not like this stuff's on YouTube or there's other documentaries. This is the only film about him, really. Uh, it's got a very classic documentary structure. It basically goes through his life with kind of talking heads of the kind of close collaborators and families. Close to and families, the many families he had <laughs> spread around <laughs> Manchester. Just the one. But the approach is that it's led by the footage and doesn't attempt to force an arc on the material which isn't there. And I found it a very welcome uh, portrait of a creative person who didn't really have any demons because that kind of lazy... Uh, he was beaten as a child and thus he painted blue paintings or whatever uh, sort of 101 psychology thing quite irritating and the movie's almost like a repost to that and the kind of basic message of the film is like if you want to do art do it and all you need is just basically the the will to do it and the talent is almost like secondary just if you if, if you dream it they will come um, sort of approach to it which I liked a lot and even though it's definitely a sort of celebration of Chris Seavey, it doesn't sugarcoat stuff. It touches upon his alcoholism, but it doesn't dwell on it because I think basically the, its presence in the film is equal to its presence in his life. It wasn't like a huge deal. He had it. He sort of dealt with it. But I felt like a lazier approach would be like the dark side of the man behind the mask. But it just avoids the pitfalls. And that's a kind of anti-review. I like the way it wasn't bad. It's basically my point there. And... Uh, He's just really, really funny, and there's lots of like very, very funny clips. Frank Sidebottom, if you're not familiar with him, I would say he's basically like if Andy Kaufman was actually funny, in that his stuff is weird and subversive, but always in the service of entertainment. And even if he's not your humor, it's very different. There's nothing boring about his stuff. And yeah, it's just like a real ode to creativity for creativity's sake. And... It's a genuine feel-good movie. I like watched it at London Film Fest and afterwards, like I, I got to form a band and write a book and paint something. Did you did you feel like the the relatively like straightforward approach to the film like suited the subject matter? Because I feel like sometimes documentaries, if they're about um, eccentric uh, characters who broke the mold, yeah, you know, adopt a similar approach in the way that they put the material together. Where you know the film itself is a bit the film wacky itself to try must to be crazy. Yeah. No, I think the director makes just a very smart decision that like he's got all this great footage and he's like you know get out of the way. It's all that sort of invisible. You don't feel his hand too much. Yeah. You know, good in that I didn't notice it. Cool. That sounds good. I would seek it out. I'll probably have a small release, so just Google the film title and it'll, there might be a showing near you, especially if you live near London, uh, and if not. It's on demand shortly afterwards. Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush. Speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shit. Okay, start reviewing now. Alright, Captain Marvel, the next installment of the franchise that I that I like. The, the only, you know, real films that are made are the Marvel films. Everything else is just filler in between them. That's my opinion. And uh, so it's their first uh, female-fronted movie coming a couple of years after uh, Wonder Woman, but still feeling like a very unusual thing, regrettably, to have a, a woman as your main character. A woman? A woman. Uh, it's directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who previously directed uh, Half Nelson and Mississippi Grinds, and they're one of those... Uh, directors a bit like the guy they picked up for Shang-Chi who's known for their indie work before they've been like 
thrust into the big leagues Whoa. as people who I guess have uh, yeah, interesting visions or good, you know, can work well with actors, but uh, don't have the clout to stand up to Marvel producers when they want to make them do stuff. <laughs> that, that, that could be part of the, uh, the rationale. Um, the story uh, st- stars Brie Larson. She plays um, a woman uh, called Veers at the beginning who's uh, living on this uh, planet, this, this alien planet. She's a Kree warrior, part of an elite uh, Star Force team wow. uh, headed by Jude Law. She's kind of his protege. She can fire blasts of energy out of her hands and she's got like no memory. She's got terrible amnesia. And early on in the film, after a sort of engagement uh, with her Star, Star Force team, she ends up uh, crash landing on Earth, uh, meeting uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who's been uh, de-aged using Marvel's um, exciting de-aging technology. And the two of them kind of buddy up to try to prevent an invasion of Earth by scrolls, which are like shape-shifting aliens who are at war with the Kree. Ugh. And their leader is Ben Mendelsohn. Here is a clip of uh, Brie Larson and Samuel Jackson having a conversation in a diner. Oh, oh. you want to get personal. Where were you born? Huntsville, Alabama, but technically I don't remember that part. Name your first pet. Mr. Snoofers. Mr. Snoofers. That's what I said. Did I pass? Not yet. First job? Soldier. Straight out of high school. Left the ranks of full bird colonel. Then? Spy. Where? It was the Cold War. We were everywhere. Uh, Belfast, Bucharest, Belgrade, Budapest. I like the bees. I can make them ride. Now? Been riding the desk for the past six years, trying to figure out where our future enemies are coming from. Never occurred to me they would be coming from above. Name a detail so bizarre a scroll could never fabricate it. A toast is cut diagonally, I can't eat it. You didn't need that, did you? No, no I didn't, but I enjoyed it. So my anticipation for this film was not super high, mainly based on the fact that I didn't think the trailers were that great. I would say the trailers are relatively underwhelming. Some previous Marvel movies have had great trailers, including Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War, all had good trailers, I think. Whereas this one looked rather more uh, generic, so I wasn't sure how successful it was going to be. I mean, there's certain things that you come to expect from uh, Marvel movies by this point, like a base level of competence, and then like a few characteristics that they tend to share in common, which is very CGI-heavy action, which is like slightly underwhelming. Good kind of bants between the central characters. Good bants. Good bants. And uh, usually relatively uh, strong and well-characterized sort of performances. And this film delivers on that front. I think it was actually a little better than I thought it was going to be based on uh, the strength of the bants, which I, in my opinion is pretty high. It's yeah. one of the funnier uh, films in the Marvel canon and particularly enjoyable as Samuel Jackson's turn as a younger version of himself. They've really done a, uh, you know, a number, but in a non-pejorative way uh, on his old face. <laughs> a number of his old face. They've really done a number of his old face. And they've really got that technology down to an R by this point. I mean, it's still like Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War looked pretty fucking weird. And uh, what's his face in Ant-Man? Michael Douglas in like when he was young and that looked very strange. But Samuel Jackson's young face in this, pretty convincing. After like the first scene, you kind of forget about it. And I think he seems to have been instructed, you know, his like way of approaching being a younger man is just like a guy's having a great time. Yeah. I mean, he's very cheerful the whole time. It's probably the most cheerful I've like seen him in a film in, in like years and years. Uh, and he gets a lot of like uh, fun sort of uh, quips, good banter between him and Brie Larson. There is a sort of a Men in Black vibe to it, uh, in cool. the sense of like Aliens on Earth kind of buddy film, which I think it handles very well. And there's also like there's a lot of crazy sci-fi stuff 
that people have to people who've never heard of aliens before in the film have to just kind of breeze past or the film will get bogged down in people losing their minds at reality uh, and i think it just does a good job of like keeping the train going and it's sort of enjoyable uh brie larson's very entertaining i think uh, she's very charismatic she shares a bit of a chris hemsworth like quality of being very deadpan while being very funny cool uh, there are a couple of takes i heard on the politics of this film that was sort of going around twitter that's our brand now so please well on the one hand it's been criticized for being essentially an advert for the u.s air force which it does resemble in some respects there's parts of the film which you feel like you could clip out and just put you know you would join the air force at the yeah. end and it would work as an advert for them and they did work directly with the u.s air force as like a consultant okay. on it and stuff her superhero costume ends up taking its colors directly from a u.s air force t-shirt and that kind of thing so that is not especially woke but at the same time the the message of the film uh is like an anti-war uh message and it's got a sort of pro-refugee theme that um enters into it at one point uh, about accepting you know others and and that kind of thing cool. and not viewing people as terrorists as some sort of thing like that so that's you know i mean there's basically a bit of both going on it's not a particularly politically progressive film and it slightly uncomfortably advertises the u.s military in a way that you know you might not love um but i mean what what's mainly going on uh is the good buddy bants which is very effective and ben mendelson is also quite a good villain i think he's always he's always like good to see him crop up in films and in this movie he's uh, allowed to have a little bit more personality than he did in something like ready player one cool i liked him he was good in mississippi grind i think i think that's the value like if you must be a young up-and-coming actor he's like i gotta get me a gig one of these indie directors because five years from now they'll be in the making big studios. captain marvel 6 or whatever it's like remember when i worked minimum wage in your shitty movie yeah well he's he's already had quite a bit of blockbuster experience know, but... with spielberg and uh, dark knight rises and stuff but nevertheless yeah. i was always playing villains is he the alan rickman of the late noughties perhaps he is perhaps that's a good description he was the sheriff of nottingham was he most recent robin hood movie oh there you so go literally well you just stumbled upon a great comparison um sorry a bit of a tangent there cut bit of a ta- bit of a tangent there yeah you you kind of know already how you feel about this franchise this movie is not going to make you feel dramatically differently about it if the central conceit of the film appeals to you more than the central conceit of other marvel movies that is to say like a female fronted uh, action uh, thing then you might enjoy it more but it's very much like another one of them and uh i'm on board with the thing so i liked it cool was there some good credit stings oh yeah i think this is a good service a reviewer can do you know is it worth staying through the stings yeah so the mid credit sting is plot based and uh is a little preview of endgame it's a bit like when they had a preview of civil war in the mid credits uh for something else and the, and the very final sting is like a gag sting it's like a little joke with no doesn't have critical franchise info in it right so so that's your that's you know that's your uh caveat emptor on that yeah. if you want if you want if you want to stay to the end or not if you want to sit through the like five thousand names of visual effects artists to get to the little joke it was pretty funny when Zach Braff heard something that changed his life, what he listened to? When John Cusack made a mistake for his future wife, what did she listen to? And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? Film 
Jim Robbins showed Shawshank that he had enough. Which record did he choose? Yeah, 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 yeah. What about um the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood trailer? Think it was good? Think it was bad? Looked pretty good. Kind of made me think. I'm surprised Tarantino hasn't made a film literally about Hollywood before. Feels like a perfect milieu for him, really, because he makes a lot of like movie movies, if you know what I mean, like like films that are obviously set in this slightly false world of movies, and it's you know just go one step further and make a movie movie about the movies. I'm surprised it's not his last movie in a way, you know. Yeah, (laughs) because it does feel a bit like you're saying a sort of summation of the career. Yeah, I mean, it looks a little bit reminded me a little bit of Little Caesar. It's kind of like a fun film Hail about Caesar. actors. Little Caesar. <laughs> with Edward G. Hail, Robinson. Yeah, Little Caesar with Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, you can dish it out, but you just can't take it anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, of course, I mean Hail Caesar. The Coen Brothers movie, you know, yeah, like yeah. a sort of irreverent uh, film set in Hollywood. Also, but like, one thing that did surprise me about the trailer is that it didn't seem to be about Sharon Tate. And well, I think the is that just sort that of element, in it? Or, right, okay. Because I was reading Playlist article about the trailer, and they're like, also... Immor Hirsch is playing Jay Sebring and he's like he's one of the victims right okay and Dakota Fanning's one of the Manson killers Polanski's in it and Charles Manson was in the trailer for like one shot the guy playing him right so I think they're avoiding showing all the light hearted stuff and avoiding the murder stuff it's going to be very interesting to see how he puts that together what is what what kind of film is this going to be my big takeaway was the guy uh, Mike Moe they got to play Bruce Lee is spot on I can see why they hired him he must like just does a good Bruce. Yeah, his uh, vocal impression of him is spot on. My hands are registered as lethal weapons. We get into a fight. I accidentally kill you. I go to jail. I was like that guy. That he should be Shang Chi. Perhaps right. he will be Shang Chi. Shang Chi, right here. There he is. Made that guy Shang Chi. Yeah, I'm screaming that from my <laughs> alone in the house, just yelling at my laptop. At the director, find him on Twitter. Make him Shang Chi. <laughs> Well, he's inspired by Bruce Lee, isn't he? It makes it all go full it makes circle. Makes sense. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, movies. Okay. Anyway. All right, we're gonna go scream, make him Shang Chi, a little bit more until all that happens. Next week, we will be reviewing what? Us, the new Jordan Peele film. Was Get Out just a one-hit wonder? Or can he make two good films? Is it as good? Is it better? All these questions, and uh, we might review controversial trans drama girl which i think is just uh, turned up on netflix yes i'm curious to see it yeah so there you go have a have a great week everybody see you then bye 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 this is what it is okay i said empty your mind be formless shapeless like water now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. <laughs>